Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul declared, quote, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. If you are a Christian today, the pattern of your life ought to be one of being led by the Spirit of God in your mind and in your thoughts. Do you have a lifestyle where you experience the Holy Spirit leading you to please Jesus, to think about Jesus, and to obey Him? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 8 and look at this incredible privilege we have of being led by the Holy Spirit of God. Well, good evening and welcome to another teaching. It's a Friday evening here in Texas. And uh, as always, hopefully y'all are loving on Jesus, spending time with Jesus, growing to know Jesus, growing to obey him, uh, growing to, to please him more and more and more. It really is the meaning of life, as I, uh, as I say every time. So today is actually Friday. Today is actually May 19th. Uh, we, we record you know, two to three weeks in advance, um, you know, Stephen and Nathan and Kristen uh, just do a, a tremendous job and, uh, you know, all the behind scenes, you know, all that goes on behind the scenes and, and you no, know, and making these teachings, uh, you know, come out and to be, you know, come out and be coherent and all that. And so uh, I, I am thankful to them. Again, we are a team at Kingdom Discipleship. And so again, as Paul said, we're a body and each part does its work and we all need one another. And so I am, uh, I am thankful. Thank you, Stephen. Thank you, Nathan. And, uh, and thank you, Kristen. So today, actually May 19th is my wife, May and I's it's our, uh, it's our 22nd anniversary today. And so, uh, I just spoke to my wife and <clears throat> we prayed together and, uh, man, I, I'm just thankful. The Lord has blessed me with, uh, with the best wife, that any man could have. And so, uh, sweetheart, I love you. Happy anniversary. And uh, I'm a better man for, for having been married to you. And I mean that. So thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Well, today we're going to do, uh, Lord willing, we'll do Romans 8, verses uh, 5 through 11. Just, uh, just tremendous verses. I did want to mention that uh, Timothy Keller died today. Uh, for those of you who, who don't know, Timothy Keller uh, was a, just a, a, a very, he was a very well-known, uh, very gifted evangelical pastor and speaker and theologian. Um, you, you know, just, uh, he was an intellectual who, who really understood history and philosophy and tied it, you know, tied it into his messages very, very well. Um, and, you know, what was interesting to me, I, I didn't know him personally by any means. I, uh, I was blessed by, by some of his teachings. Um, but he was born in September of 1950, and he died May 19th, 2023. He lived to 72 years old. Um, and my mother, um, as most of you know, passed away two weeks ago. And she was born in October of 1950, and she died May 5th. 2023 and you know it was just making me think about just how how short life really is and you know we don't know how much time we have and so uh, we really 
really, really, you know, want to make our lives more and more and more about Jesus. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for this book of Romans. But above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you're alive and risen. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we open your word in this incredible book of Romans. Give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. Father, again, I, I honor my mother. I thank you for her, Lord. I thank you for her life. I thank you just uh, that, that she was a wonderful mother to me, Father, and I have no complaints. Father, I thank you for Timothy Keller, Lord, and the work that he did in the body of Christ and the gift that he really was to the body of Christ. And Father, I thank you for my wife, Lord, my beautiful wife, May, and the, the 22 years of marriage um, that you've given us. And Father, I do pray that as we move in, into this 23rd year of marriage, that it would truly be the greatest year of our marriage in, in walking with you and bringing glory to your name and bearing fruit for your kingdom and, and growing as husband and wife together in Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we commit this time into your hands now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right, Romans 8, and uh, Lord willing, we'll get uh, through verses 5 through 11. Romans 8, verse 5. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. Verse 11, And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Again, I, I've said it over and over. Just uh, this book of Romans is just is truly overwhelming. The depth, the understanding, the power. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. Verse five. Verse five. Okay. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. Okay, so when you look at this verse, what is the pattern of your life? When you consider your life, when you consider your waking hours each day, what is the pattern of your life? Is the pattern of your life consistently thinking about the word of God, the son of God? How often do you think about Jesus? 
Um, is Jesus just a religion to you? Is it just something that, uh, is he just someone you think about when you go to church? Because this says those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that, na- on, on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. What does the spirit desire? The Holy Spirit desires to magnify Jesus. So if you're a Christian today, if you are truly saved, if if you have received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you are today trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul, then the Holy Spirit lives in you. The Spirit of God, God the Holy Spirit, is one with your spirit. He's given you eternal life, and your mind is being led by the Spirit of God to think about what the Holy Spirit desires. Obviously, the Holy Spirit desires you to live a life that is pleasing to your Heavenly Father, that is pleasing to Jesus, and that is pleasing to Him. So, again, when you evaluate your life, would you say that your life has a pattern of thinking more about the things of Jesus? Or would you say your life is consumed with thinking about the things of this world and thinking only about how, you know, how you can please yourself about your own desires, your own pleasures, um, your own inclinations, your own preference? If someone is a Christian today, if they're truly saved, then the pattern of their life, you're not going to be perfect all of us, I've, I've confessed over and over that I still see so much of my life that, that, that's still, you know, uh, there's so much of me that's still selfish and self-serving where I still want my own way. But I understand that. I'm convicted about that and I want to change, right? Look at verse six. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the spirit is life and peace, The more that we consider and think about the things that the Spirit of God is leading us to think about, the more that we consider Jesus, the more that we put our minds on the Word of God, on the Son of God, Jesus, the more that we're living a life in obedience to the Word of God, the more we consider the things of Jesus, the things of our Bible, the more we will have life, the more we'll experience eternal life. You've heard me say it before, eternal life is not just a a quantity of life, it is a quality of life. Verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The more you consider the things of the Word of God, the more you are living a life where you want to please Jesus, the more you're wanting to grow in your devotion to Jesus, the more you will absolutely experience life in peace, the more the more certain you will be of the things of God, the more certain you will be that you are a child of your heavenly Father, the more certain you'll be that Jesus Christ is real and he is your Lord and Savior and Master and King, the more you will experience the presence of the Holy Spirit and his leading. The mind of sinful man is death. Again, for someone who's not in Jesus Christ, and again, I realize that... Uh, that this, this is strong and it may seem intolerant. This is what the Bible teaches, okay? The Bible teaches that all 8 billion people in the world need Jesus and that without Jesus, verse 6, the mind of sinful man is death. What Paul is saying here is that 
the person who does not have Jesus Christ can only focus on their sinful nature, right? Verse 5, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. That's the only nature they have is their sinful nature, and they can think about nothing except what their sinful nature and sin is driving them to think. They can still do good things by the common grace of God, but look at verse 8, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Anyone who is not in Jesus Christ today is controlled by the sinful nature. And we went over that in depth in chapter 6 and a little bit in chapter 7, right? All right, verse 7. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So again, uh, those who are not in Jesus Christ, those who have not received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, verse 7 the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Anyone who's not in Jesus Christ cannot obey the word of God and the son of God. They cannot be led by the spirit of God because the spirit of God is not living in them. The spirit of God has not given them eternal life. They're still spiritually dead. As we talked about in Romans 6, sin is still their master. They're still enslaved to sin and they cannot obey the word of God because they have no life. They have no spiritual life in them. Again, the, 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 really the, you know, the force of this is unmistakable, but it's imperative that we understand this, right, Corinne? All right. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Verse eight, those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. The ramifications of this, of this verse, the ramifications of this verse are truly overwhelming. If you're not a Christian today, if Jesus Christ is not living in you, then you are controlled by the sinful nature. You're not controlled by the Holy Spirit and you cannot do anything pleasing to God. And as I said, uh, again, I realize that comes across intolerant. It comes across as harsh. We're just reading what it says here. Right. This is Romans 8, verse 8. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. It's not until we receive Jesus Christ that the spirit of God, God, the Holy Spirit, comes and lives in us, gives us eternal life and then leads us in a way that is pleasing to our heavenly father, to Jesus Christ, our Lord and, and, and to the Holy Spirit. Right. Wow. Help us, Lord Jesus. Golly. Verse 9. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. This is an interesting verse, Romans 8, 9, because the Holy Spirit here is called the Spirit of God, and he's also called the Spirit of Christ. All right? Verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So again, if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right, Kristen? Then the Holy Spirit is living in you, and the Holy Spirit is the one that's governing your life. Now, depending on how much we've grown in the sanctification process, justification, right, which is a theological term, which means to, to be declared not guilty of sin and righteous before our Heavenly Father, before God, right? Justification 
is a one-time event that happens at the time of our salvation. It happens when we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Sanctification is a lifelong process that begins after justification. And sanctification is increasing Christ-likeness and holiness in the life of the believer, in the life of those who have received Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they live the rest of their lives growing to be more and more like Jesus. The Spirit of God is leading them to be more and more like Jesus, okay? And that process, that theological term is called sanctification. And again, uh, sanctification is increasing holiness, right, Pop? And Christ-likeness in the life of the believer. We do nothing to be justified. All we do is trust and receive the gift of salvation from our Heavenly Father. We trust in what Jesus has done on our behalf. Uh, we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior as a gift. We can do nothing to earn it. We can do nothing to earn our justification. Sanctification, after we've been saved, is a, is a cooperation where we cooperate with the Holy Spirit of God and growing to be more and more and more like Jesus all the days of our life. Verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Okay, so again, if you're truly saved, you ought to be experiencing a pull of the Holy Spirit. You ought to have a desire for Jesus. You ought to have a desire for the scriptures. You ought to have a desire and a conviction to repent over your sin. Um, and again, we're all in different places in this, okay? We're not perfect. Even as believers in Jesus Christ, even as disciples and mature disciples, you know, we still, you know, we still make mistakes, right? We're not going to be perfect in this life. You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Again, when you get saved, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, comes to live in you. You become part of the body of Christ. You become part of the bride of Christ. You belong to Jesus. You are one with Jesus in spirit. And again, with Jesus living in you, there ought to be a desire in your heart for Jesus, right? There ought to be a desire to grow in your relationship with Jesus, right? And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So I said it before, you want to examine yourself and look and say, you know, can I recognize in me a desire for Jesus? And if, and if you ask yourself the question and you would say, you know, I... I really don't have any desire for Jesus. Jesus is just a, a religion to me. It's, you know, it's something I do on Sunday or I was raised or, you know, I went to church as a kid. Then, then you want to go back to the cross and you want to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you know, anew and afresh. Romans 10, 13 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Simply go before Jesus and, and humble yourself before him. It's not our words that save us, but you use your words to communicate your heart to him and just just call out to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I, I do want you to be my Lord and Savior. Lord Jesus, I do want to have your spirit living in me. So Lord Jesus, I do confess that I am a sinful person. Lord, I know that I am hopeless, helpless, and desperate. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. I do believe that you came into this world and lived a perfect, righteous life for me and died a 
torturous death for me. And I believe you are alive and risen. And therefore I ask you now, Lord Jesus, to come into my heart, to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and confidence and trust in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Again, that's how you become a Christian. Now, again, it's not just going through the motions, okay? Uh, use the words that I use, but of course, it's the sincerity of your heart, your understanding that you're a sinful person and that you need a savior and that only in Jesus can you be saved. And if you genuinely receive Jesus as your Lord and savior, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ will come and join himself to you and you'll be given eternal life, spiritual life, and you will be driven all the days of your life, not by your sinful nature, but by the Spirit of God, right? All right, verse 10. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. What does this mean? Okay. But if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. This is a hard verse. What Paul is saying here and what, uh, what scholars believe Paul is saying here is that if Jesus is in you, your physical body will die one day because of sin. Every human being dies. And the ultimate reason, the foundational reason we die is because of sin. When Adam sinned, he brought death into the world, spiritual death and physical death. If Adam did not sin, he would have gone on to live forever. But we, we were born with a sinful nature. When we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, the power was taken away from our sinful nature, but our sinful nature was not eradicated. That's why we still sin, right? Um, but because we still do sin and because we still have a a nature, although the power has been taken away from it of sin, we will die physically. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin. Ultimately, our bodies will die, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. What does that mean? It's not because of your own righteousness. It's not because of your own good life. It's because of what Jesus has done on your behalf and in your place. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the perfect righteous life that Jesus lived is credited unto you and you are made right with God, not based on anything that you've done, but based on what Jesus has done. That righteous life that Jesus lived is credited to you, credited to me, and our sinful, evil life, all of our sin, past, present, and future, is credited to Jesus at the cross. That exchange is the heart of of the Christian gospel, right? Wow, right? It's like the greatest deal ever, right? All of my sin, Jesus takes at the cross and the perfect righteous life that he lived is given to me as a gift. Yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. We, 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 we receive spiritual life, not based on our own righteousness, but based on what Jesus has done on our behalf and in our place, based on his righteous life credited to us, we're given spiritual life. Wow. All right, verse 11. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, again, if you are truly saved, then the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, we see here that the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead. Uh, the scriptures also tell us that our heavenly father raised Jesus from the dead. 
And Jesus himself said that he raised himself from the dead. So again, we see in the resurrection of Christ, right, Rap? We, we see a cooperation in the resurrection of every member of the Trinity. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. So although this mortal, this physical body we live in will die, okay, we will be given a new body, an immortal body. The Holy Spirit will give us a resurrected body that will never die. And uh, I mean, that's just incredible. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, okay? So the spirit of God is one with your spirit. Your spirit will never die. Your body will die. It says he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies, will give us not only resurrection life, but a resurrection body. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. We will be given a resurrected body that will, will never die, that has no sinful nature, that will never consider sin. It's incredible. One of the great incredible desires, right, as we grow closer to Jesus is that when we leave this body, we will not, we will have no more temptation to sin. No more will we sin against our heavenly father in Jesus and the Holy Spirit. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Wow. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, your grace on our lives. We thank you for this incredible book of Romans. Father, we just thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, we worship you and we thank you today. We ask you to help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Holy Spirit. Lead us and guide us, Holy Spirit, to consider Jesus, to fix our minds on Jesus, to think about Jesus more, to, to live our lives in, in a way that's pleasing to Jesus, that we might more and more experience life in peace in every aspect of our lives. Father, we love you and bless you and thank you. Holy Spirit, we ask you to seal this message to our hearts now. Seal it to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.